my name is Emily Lehman, and this is In Layman's Terms Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to In Layman's Terms Podcast. I'm your host, Emily. Today, I have Casey with me, and today, Casey is going to talk about how she became sober and beat her battle with addiction and heroin. How are you today, Casey? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So your sobriety date is 10, 24, 13. And this October, you'll be coming up on your eighth year anniversary. So congratulations yeah. to you. That's fucking huge. Thank you. Thank so, you. Um, did the, I guess, diving right in, did the alcohol or the heroin come first for you and your story? So, well, I guess kind of like a, I would say most teenagers, <laughs> um, you kind of start with drinking. Um, but it's funny because if you had asked me this before, I would have said heroin came first. But when I think, actually think about it, I actually started drinking first. I was like a very young teenager um, and smoking weed, you know, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is pretty normal. <laughs> Same. No, I think. I yeah. Think I feel like that's just experiment and do that yeah and I never saw that as an issue and I didn't think it started there um but then I realized that it kind of did um but I very quickly graduated to hard drugs which is definitely not normal (laughs) yeah no it's not (laughs) but I you know it's yeah it's weird it's like one of those things where people are like well like you knew it was bad you know you knew you shouldn't do it and I'm like there's uh, why I didn't stop myself and why I had no problem diving into that as opposed to other people. You know, I, I really don't know, honestly. Like, I, I, it's just, I don't know. I just did. And um, it started with a guy. It was, you know. Always. All awesome stories start that way. Right. <laughs> um, so to make, like, a really long story short, uh, he was doing it and... I really didn't know anything about heroin. Um, I knew it was bad, but I was intrigued. And um, because I really like, I call him my first love and I still do to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would, I would see him do it and I wanted to know what it was like. And it looked appealing. Like it, it, because he was so out of it and I was so not. And I was like, I'm not on the same level as you. This is stupid. Like you might as well just let me do it with you. And that's how it started. Um, And was he getting up or was he snorting? Uh, well, he was actually in California and mm-hmm. they smoke it over there Stop. when they don't shoot it mm-hmm. on the East coast. <laughs> so again, we were getting into this so on the East coast. You, it's a powder and you shoot it or snort it on the West coast. It's like a tar and you either smoke it or shoot it. So it actually started on the West coast for me. Um, but then when I came back to New York, I loved it. Like uh, I immediately from the first time I did it, I loved the way it felt. I mean, more than words. Like, I can't tell you. It felt so freeing and so good. And um, it wasn't hard to find here at all. And then that was it. Like, it was like, it was like an immediate thing for me. It wasn't gradual. It was like, I went from never doing it to doing it to shooting it within the course of, I'm not even kidding, like a month and a half, maybe two months. Yeah. And then that was it for me. So, (laughs) um, I don't know. I'm proud of it. I know I'm laughing. It's really not funny, but like, no, it's not. But I feel like I mean, just, like it just hooked me. So like, hook, line, and sinker. So right away. Um, right. And I don't know how. I feel like it's like that for a lot of people. 
um, it's just, uh, yeah, like, it, it, I try, when I try to tell people why or how I like it so much, it's so hard to explain because it's, it's like, I feel like that it wasn't, I feel like it wasn't even me. Right. And it really has very, like, alcohol and drugs, um, I feel like it has less to do with doing it than it is to do with the feelings involved. Like, it's not like I, I didn't set out to be a drug addict. I didn't set out to be an alcoholic. I didn't want to be these things, but I discovered that I enjoyed feeling nothing yeah. more than I enjoyed feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's what hooked me is I really, I still to this day <laughs> don't love feeling, you know, it's that's yeah, something no. I really struggle with. So that's really what it was for me is that I just couldn't, I, I just loved the way it made me feel, which was essentially nothing. And, um, that's very appealing to me. Yeah. The numbing, the numbing aspect. No, yeah. yeah, I totally, I totally feel that I struggled with, um, Percocets were mine okay. and then unbeknowingly the guy that I was living with who also like got me into these situations. He, um, we lived together and he like started bringing home this like weird, like gray rock kind of thing. And it was fucking heroin. And so like, he's like being like a little piece of thought and like giving it to me and thinking, you know, he's telling me it's something else. And so then like long before I know it, I'm like, okay. I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, I'm feeling a little different. Like this is like, not like, and then like, I had no idea. And before I knew it, then it's like, okay, now I'm like, sweating yeah and it's like I mean you don't think that someone you live with is going to like fucking do that right you know it's like misery loves company though and Mm -hmm. he well obviously that's wrong I'm not defending him it's like I I just I get what it's like to be a drug addict and it's like and you you like having other people do it with you and relate to and I don't know it's just it's like a crazy world to be a part of and people who aren't in it it's so hard to wrap your head around and I get that like I really do um it's just I don't know it's so hard to explain to other people it is um but people who are in it like I get it I know exactly how they feel and I don't know in a weird way (laughs) it's I mean, this kind of comes more in recovery, but in like a, in a weird way, I'm really grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has made me a much more empathetic and understanding human being. Human. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like people who have struggled through addiction or recovery, I just feel like you are exposed and you experience so much and like so many raw feelings, whether it's like. Absolutely coming out or you're going in or you're like going through withdrawal like everything is just like so heightened and I feel like people just don't really understand that unless they've like lived through that and experienced that so that makes sense yeah and it brings you to places that while not good um and places that I never thought that I would find myself um, in the long run, I think the experiences will make me stronger. Like there was like a while where, you know, I had to decide if I was going to use my money to buy food or if I was going to pay rent. And mm-hmm. like, how do you, like, it's just crazy. You know, I grew up 
very well off, you know, mm-hmm. in my suburbia family, like da da da. And it's like, and here I was experiencing these crazy things, not knowing where I was going to sleep or where, where I was going to have money for food. And it's just stuff I never thought I would experience. But overall, I think it's made me um, like a stronger and better person for it. No, absolutely. And I can relate to more people. <laughs> <laughs> right? More more table openers. No, but I think it's very interesting that you say, you know, you grew up in like a good family in suburbia, like yada, yada, yada. I feel like that's what a lot of people, there's like just such a stigma, I think, that surrounds addiction and heroin and people who abuse substances. And it's like, it can be literally Jane it be anyone. It's anyone. Like yeah. it can be your parent, it can be your sibling. Right. Like, it could be your teacher. I mean, it could be anyone. anyone. And like anyone. everyone just, I feel like assumes it's like homeless and like dirty. And it's just like, you know, it's like right. people aren't really. It might make you get, get there. Like that might be the end for you. Yeah. Exactly. So that's an unfortunate reality. You know, it ruins your life and it really does. Um, so it might bring you there. Like it brought me to pretty much that yeah <laughs> and um but it didn't start that way you know like and addiction it really doesn't discriminate it could be anybody you know and no one's in my family um Mine too. my great uncle died at 22 from a heroin overdose and then my dad's two brothers thankfully they've been sober for like one of them he's got to be closing in on 30 years now oh my god yeah so you know he, my dad was no stranger to it his best friend too in college started going to AA and stuff. And so, um, that in a way that was cool. It's like my dad, uh, had a little more exposure than my mother. Mm-hmm. So he was always more, um, I guess I'll use the word empathetic throughout this whole process. Uh, she still to this day, uh, she'll never forgive me. Like for, in her opinion, I ruined her life mm-hmm. and you know, it's about her. Mm-hmm. Um, from her perspective and, and I ruined her life and she still holds it against me to this day. Yeah. Like, hmm. Which, you know, I had to learn to let go because yeah. it's what it is. I'm never going to have her acceptance. I'm never going to have her forgiveness for it. And I can't live my life trying. I could just be the best person I could be today, which yeah. again, isn't always up to her standards, but that's yeah, anyone. Right. But yeah, you have to do what's you know? best for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I kind of got off track, but so it kind of, in a way it started with heroin, at least heroin kind of what really sucked me into that world. Um, and it was bad for a a while. It was really, really bad. And then I'm going to try to make like, my story is like crazy long if I go (laughs) super detailed, but, um, it's just because it's wild. But at 19, I overdosed on my living room floor. And my whole family was home. I had a friend over too who wasn't doing it, but she, you know, she was there. We were watching True Blood, actually. I remember it so vividly. <laughs> and I walked outside to meet this guy who brought it to me. And um, and I went to the bathroom. I shot up, and I came back. I sat on the couch next to her. And that's the last thing that I remember. But I remember thinking, like, oh, this is like a really good batch. Like, because I felt like really fucked up, like right away. It was really good. And then that was the last thing I remember. And so she said that, like, my lips turned blue and I started moaning. And that, like, she was like, holy shit. So she, my sister was home. Mm -hmm. She was a nurse. Oh, wow. And my sister, for some reason, (laughs) she carried around at the time, literally carried in her purse a breathing apparatus. 
And so she used it on me. Mm-hmm. And she like called 911 and the cops came, the paramedics came, blah, blah, blah. And so essentially, long story short, like I, they said that I died technically, but they brought me back. And they said if my sister wasn't there, I would have died. So like she saved my life. Yeah, you're Which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> um, wild. Yeah, it was wild. But that was one of the last times that I used for at least for a while. Um, then I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I really wanted to stop, but just because you want to, like, sometimes it takes more than that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I tried, I, I went to rehab over the course of all of this. I went to rehab six times. Um, I joined the military. Oh, wow. Because uh, I failed, I, I failed out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was an addict and I just, I couldn't do it. You know, like I just, I could not, I couldn't do college. I was, I was incapable of time. Yeah. I failed out. I overdosed. I joined the Navy. <laughs> Honestly, I was didn't probably heroin great for the longest time. Like, yeah, it was really good for me. I don't regret it at all. I really wish that I wanted to make it my career and I loved it. I really did love it. Um, I think it's a great course for people to take. Mm-hmm. And I didn't touch drugs for the longest time. But I was drinking, and this is where alcohol comes into my story. And I was like, oh, like, I'm going to be a normal person, right? Like, woohoo, look at me go. I never drank like a normal person, ever. But I thought that I was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so for a while, I was like, yay, like, I'm good, you know? Like, I'm just drinking. But I never just drank. Like, Mm -hmm. if alcohol touches my lips, I'm, I'm, like, hammered. You know, like, there's no self-control. There's no such thing as like a glass of wine with dinner I have to get black out drunk every time and um again long story short I got pregnant I had a baby and um you know I was good for a little bit during that because I was pregnant um sure but as soon as he was born i started drinking again i mean oh i'm drinking wine because i'm so sophisticated now yeah, and, I have a glass of wine. and i thought that that was like fine my neighbors are walking by my car um <laughs> I, 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 um I thought that that was fine uh because my parents drink every like my parents drink every night but they're very highly functioning human beings they have mm-hmm. wine at night and i thought it was normal so i was like great this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have this baby i'm gonna drink I got my shit together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a while, I convinced myself that I did. Um, I really didn't, but it wasn't that bad. So I was able to think, continue thinking it was okay. Mm-hmm. I moved I moved home with my baby. Mm-hmm. And it's back at my parents' house because it's too hard to be a single parent, right? Right. And that's when shit hit the fan because I knew that I had them to fall back on. So my son would be fine because they were going to take care of him. And that's when, yeah, right? Like, I I had them as a crutch. When I had that crutch, everything fell to pieces. Um, I drank so much. It was just, like, ridiculous. And at first it started with, like, going out, which, again, seems normal. Like, I'm going to a bar, I'm drinking. Like, that seems normal. It was never normal for me in the way that I drank. But the way that it ended literally was me drinking 24-7. I drank whiskey. That was my drink of choice, Jameson. And I drank 24-7. There was, before I went to rehab, this one one time, I was drinking and sleeping and drinking and sleeping. I didn't know if it was night or day. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing 
anything with my kid. I wasn't working. I was just essentially, when I try to describe this period of my life, I try, I say that, um, I was trying not to live. I was trying to not exist without killing myself. Exactly. And that's, yeah. Like, it's like, I didn't, I didn't know how to be and I didn't want to be, but I couldn't kill myself, you know, like, and I didn't even consciously think that at the time. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was doing. I was trying right. to not exist because I didn't know how to exist. I didn't know how people functioned. I didn't know how people lived. You know, I just I it, I didn't get it, and I didn't really want to. I just wanted to not be. So that, that's how I accomplished it. Um, and funny, the neighbor that just walked by my car, he picked. He came over to my house. My dad couldn't get me out of bed, so he and my father picked me up, and. Uh, took drive me off at a detox center mm-hmm. and um it was the beginning of recovery for me not not that I got it the first time because yeah. I no, well this wasn't the first time but it didn't click it didn't stick this time but I went to Florida for rehab and it was great I loved everybody there um it really hit me this time like it was a really good experience but I came home and after a month and rehab, mm-hmm. and I did AA here and I met, I met my people, you know, I was really trying, um, but I really left after four months and, um, and it was bad, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was bad. Um, I went to the same place again okay. in Florida. And so I reached out to my friend down there and I said, I need to come back. I need to come back. Because it, it was the best place I had ever gone to. So I wanted to go there. And, but I didn't come home after rehab uh, this time because I knew that um, I couldn't. I couldn't try to be a mom. I couldn't try to work really like a professional job. Like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with all these other responsibilities and things while trying to find recovery yeah I needed to remove myself from that including from my kid which is hard for people to understand but you know I couldn't be a mother yeah I wanted to be. totally remove yourself from everything be. to focus on that to right. be able to come back and you know yeah it's and it, sometimes it still makes me feel guilty when I think about it but at the end of the day, like, if I didn't do what I did, I wouldn't be here now. And I think exactly. I'm like a pretty good You wouldn't be, now, like, so. the greatest mom that you are now. Exactly. You did that yeah. in the long run it, for the best, of course. It's it hard, hard, though. It's so, yeah. It's sometimes I still feel guilty about it. But, you know, over at the end of the day, it Your was I'm will be very run. grateful for that, I'm sure. Yeah. He can understand. So I, I didn't come home, and I moved into a halfway house. And mm-hmm. I stayed there for six months. Good. Um, and it was great. My whole life was recovery. Mm-hmm. I was just surrounded by young people in recovery. I worked at a bowling alley and I made money and I paid my rent in the halfway house. My mm-hmm. parents were like, cut me off. You know, I had to yeah. pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And it was the best experience. I had um, six months of sobriety under my belt. I had a sponsor. You know, I went through my steps in AA. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really awesome and once I had that foundation underneath me I came home okay um after six months and then I've been sober ever since That's so awesome. it was what I needed yeah thank you uh and, you know and I think like well everyone always asks me like what was different this time what was different? I mean, that's like the most common question I bet. and for me I just spent so much time 
trying to find every way possible to not let go of it. And it failed every single time. Like I, I didn't want to live that way anymore. I didn't want to be who I was. I hated myself. I didn't want to be this person, but I didn't know how to let go entirely. And so I fought it and I tried every way to find a way to not fully have to let go. I just yeah, want to be normal. That's, everyone, you know? that's the same thing. Everyone, yeah. everyone, you know, you try and you like, you take like that one cheap corner or like take that, leave that yeah. one extra thing in there, but you can't yeah. really, you have to totally, yeah. totally detach. Right. Cause every time, I mean, it essentially, you know, there's just no controlling it. There is literally no controlling it, but I had to find that out over and over in the hardest ways possible until I believed it in my heart and soul. Because I didn't believe it in my heart, so I fought it. I fought it. I fought it. Every time I went to rehab, I tried and I tried. You know, I didn't accept it into my heart that this was reality. Like, I didn't want it to be reality. And this last time, which is almost eight years ago now, like, I accepted it into my heart. Like, I'm not fighting this anymore. Like, this is just the truth of the matter, and that it's okay. You know, like, it's okay to be an alcoholic. It's okay to not drink alcohol. It's okay to have this. Like, and I accept it, and it's just the reality. It's the truth of my reality. And I haven't looked back. You know, like, even now, like, almost eight years sober, things have been hard, you know, like, Life hasn't been the easiest. I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> but it's like in my head and in my soul. Like there's no other way to explain it. It's like in my gut. It's like I know if I were to drink again or even smoke weed. Because sometimes I'm like, I want to smoke weed. You know, because mm-hmm. like it's like nothing. And it sounds nice. <laughs> right. But I know that. I've taught myself a million times in the past that there's no controlling it. There's no such thing as having one or two glasses of wine. There's no such thing as hitting one blunt. Forget it. Like I'm going to be doing it 24 seven around the clock because that is who I am. Like I'm an alcoholic Yeah. and there's no denying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, and now that I've accepted it entirely, I don't think about it anymore. It's not an option. And that's, uh, honestly, that's what the first step of AA is. It's, you know, um, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable. That's step one. And it's like that admission, it's not just admitting it. It's, it's really, it's, it's accepting it. I accept this as the truth in my life. And once you accept and you stop fighting it, that's when you find that freedom to leave it. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I'm kind of no. talking in circles. But. No, but you're like so spot on. It's like so fucking true. It's just like you really have to like give up everything and like let your soul and just be like, okay, like I'm, I give up. Like I'm like surrendering. Like this is, yeah. this is what it is. And like is when I feel like we or you as an individual come to those terms and you can finally realize that is when people start to see change like you yeah you can't as much as I'm sure as your parents wanted you to get sober or your siblings or whoever was pushing you like it didn't matter like it was irrelevant mm-hmm. you didn't want to quit so <clears throat> it didn't matter like you even right. had a child like it still didn't yeah. matter I know having a kid, unfortunately it's true having a kid isn't enough to make you sober it's like right my parents wanted it my sister wanted it my I want I wanted to do it for my son and I did want to but until I really accepted it and stopped fighting 
Mm -hmm. I couldn't. It was not possible. And everybody hits that point. Um, It's different for everyone, you know? Like, yeah, it really is. Like, my bottoms, they were pretty low. They really were. Um, Some people's are are not as low. And it's not a competition. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just as long as you get there. And I always feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like I was pretty lucky that I got sober at a fairly young age. I was 25. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that things went bad really quickly in my life. Like, I always feel like I'm such an extremist, even to this day. I'm like, all or nothing. Yeah. I'm sure. I believe you. We all are, right? (laughs) Um, So, like, it got bad, and it got bad fast. Same. (laughs) Some people, it's it's more drawn out. Yeah. Yeah. But when it's drawn out, it's harder to get to the point where you're willing to give up on it and get better so I'm glad that it was so bad yeah I mean sorry go ahead no it's it's like I always say to people I feel like I've gone through like most of like my midlife crises like before I turned 25 because like everything that like I'm 28 now so like everything I feel like I've been through has just been like such a clusterfuck and I'm like honestly so glad that I like kind of went through it at a younger age versus like now in life um because mm-hmm. I don't know I feel like kind of from a younger age you you might have like a little more help from home or like whatever your situation may be whereas like if you're kind of more of an adult you kind of just might like be on your own whereas I don't know if I might have had like as much help like as from being mm-hmm. like my younger like 20s to like early teens or whatever whereas like right if I'm like 20, yeah. 27 right now and like my parents are probably going to be like, okay, well, like you're going to like maybe have to figure that out on your own. And obviously my, your parent, my parents will like always help and like want to do what's best for me. But I feel like it's kind of, they have like a little more control, I guess, when you're younger and they can kind of try. Yeah. And, and you know, and not everybody own. has that type of family who exactly can help them. And, 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 but, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you have, what you don't have, who you are, where you're from, how old you are even, because I know plenty of people who didn't get sober until like they were in their 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it's never too late. It's never too late. And it's always possible. I think I, I said, I think in like one of my messages to you, um, like as long as you're breathing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is no it's as so long hard. as you're breathing there is a chance you know like all you have to do is be alive and then you have a chance to recover and you know not everybody is lucky enough to have that chance we I, die before yeah. we get there yeah and i mean the amount of people that i know who passed away before the age of 30 from drugs is just absolutely um, insane same yeah and it's sad it's very sad yeah so why you know, we're lucky that we have the opportunity to get there before we, because I would have ended up there. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, like I, I would be dead. I would definitely be dead if I didn't get sober when I got sober. There's no way I would have lived to be my thirtieth birthday. <laughs> no way. Think about. Yeah. So you know, but it's never too late. Um, as long as you're breathing, you have a chance. And I, it's, I really believe so strongly in it that it's possible. Because I used to not think that it was. I was so hopeless. And, it's, and here I am. So, 
Yeah, there is the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast is to share other people's stories. And so people can understand that they're not alone. And if they are struggling and you're listening to this, you can hear from other people and you can hear Casey and have listened to how she overcame this and how others do. And just know that there are people out there who will fight for you. And I think that's so important. You had your dad's support and empathy and that he Uh really helped you through all that. And like you said, addiction, I think ran in his side of the family. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It runs in my dad's side of the family as well. Uh, My dad's sister was a heroin addict when I was growing up. So I've also been able to kind of relate to my dad yeah in those types of certain situations whereas you know my mom obviously experienced those things with my dad but I mean that's not her sister so I feel like it's right I can he just kind of understands some things more than someone who hasn't really like had that experience so as shitty and fucked up as this sounds it's like I'm grateful that he has experienced that because it's helped me also along the way. Right. I'm sure your dad Absolutely. helped you along 100%. the way. Well. He did. He always stuck by my side no matter what. Um, so did my friend Jessica. She's one of my best friends year six. Mm-hmm. And like, I've lost a lot of friends along the way, but she yeah. stuck with me through everything. And there were times where I didn't even want her to because like, sure. I, I, I knew that I was letting her and my family down and everybody who loved me that I want, I would almost wish I, I think I even said this out loud and I wish you would stop loving me. Cause it just made me, it, it would be easier for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, thankfully they st- they did stick by me, and um, you know we got through it together. Um, but yeah, I mean it's so true. That's why, like, you know, when she when when it came onto my radar that I could be on this podcast, I really wanted to because it is important to share your story, and there is nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm an addict and alcoholic. I'm I'm really not, and there's no reason to be because it's very it's more common than people realize. It's, um, it's not something that you can control. It's, you know, it's out of your control. You're, I feel like it's something you're just born with. Um, you, it's either in you or it's not. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, like, it's it's a really tough thing to battle and get through, but it's not your fault. And, uh, you know, you have nothing to be ashamed of. And you can come out the other side. And stronger for it, too. Even though it doesn't feel that way in the moment. <laughs> I know, right? It's like... Yeah, it's a long road, but it's so rewarding. Like once you get there and you can have conversations like this with people and share your story and like be such an, yeah. I think it's so important that people do share. And I, I appreciate you so much for taking the time and sharing me. This was amazing. Is there anything else that you like any other messages that you want to get across to anyone or anything else you want to <laughs> I guess like the two main points that anyone who's listening, um, people who are struggling, you know, like we were just saying, you're not alone. There are people out there who are just like you, um, and they're willing to help you if you see if you seek it. You know, they'll they'll be happy to help you. Uh, it's important to find people who are like minded, like you and I. You know, this conversation was great. If I was talking to someone who had never done it or anything, they might not understand as much. Right. So it's important to find people who are just like you. 
Um, and we are certainly out there. <laughs> um, we are. The other thing is, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of us. And it, it's more, it's so much more common than I think um, society makes it seem. You know, it really is. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's one thing. But another one is like the people who might be listening who um, aren't struggling, don't suffer themselves, but they might know someone mm-hmm. or they, you know, look down on it. Like, how could you let this happen? You know, at the end of the day, I just want people to know that nobody chooses it. I, I If I could have, I would have chosen not to. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. you know, the rest assured that you're, yeah. I mean, your family member who's going through it, who is acting like a total asshole, and like you're like, how are you like this? Believe me when I say that they hate themselves more than you can possibly imagine, and they wish they weren't like that. It's not a choice. Um, That's so. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. It really, you know, it's not something to be judged. In my opinion, people need help. Um, That being said, sometimes tough love is help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes but, yeah, you know, just, the only yeah. time that works you know like, yeah sometimes, you know, sometimes, we, we, sometimes we need that you know sometimes I like, I needed that from my parents they cut me off at one point and I was like floundering like how am I supposed to survive like and I have figured out but it was good for me because they you know they weren't enabling me so anyway I guess like my point is that nobody chooses it um if, if, if it was a choice, no one would choose it. So, you know, the next time you want to look down on someone or judge someone for it, just remember that they wish they weren't there more than you do. <laughs> I love that. I guess that's really it. No, that was amazing. I think everything you said is so important. It's so spot on. And this was awesome. Thank you. And I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy I did this. <laughs> Yay! Good. I would love to have you back again or whenever in the future. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today on this episode. And hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode.